0: you've tuned into another episode of radio free hpc the show where we talk about supercomputing high performance computing and a variety of high-tech topics i'm dan olds from intersect 360 research joined as always by my co hosts henry newman of seagate government solutions shaheen khan from orion x and our near millennial standout jesse lanham In association with our media partner, HPC Wire, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome to another scintillating, informative, and maybe even entertaining episode of Radio Free HPC. I'm Dan Olds. We got a full crew here, actually, a fuller crew. We've got Henry Newman down in las cruces at his survivalist compound calling in how you doing henry i'm
1: wonderful dan and i've i petitioned the city of las cruces to see if they can annex my property
0: since well you're already there and that's since I'm,
1: I'm, I'm not in las cruces and but you know just so you can be right every week, week yeah that's my goal yeah
0: and we have shaheen down in the valley how's it going
2: shaheen excellent dano thank you very much
0: what's new down there
2: uh, we're trying to make our episodes twenty nine percent more scintillating.
0: We are, and that effort continues. And speaking of scintillating, there's Jesse Lanham out in West Lafayette. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing
3: all right. How are you doing, Dan?
0: I'm okay, thanks. Uh, how's Purdue going? Doing well. No complaints. Are you into a new term? You had finals week yet, or is that coming, no. up? What's it's, the deal?
3: It's it's coming up? It's coming up. We're like what week thirteen of 16 or something like that. So we got a little second to recoup before finals.
2: Jesse, no well, study hard. No, no complaints is new territory for Dan and Henry.
3: <laughs> no, <that's... laughs> what? What complaints? You must have some.
2: Yes. Yes. Well,
0: they're I don't know if there were many complaints about what happened this morning with Justin Wang of NVIDIA's uh, keynote, which is becoming increasingly long and action-packed. I'm not sure we have enough time on this episode or I have enough hard disk space to store a show that unpacks everything that was announced and introduced and confabulated today.
1: Confabulated. Good work, Dan.
0: It is, and I'm going to put a link to the uh, confabulator videos that are required watching for all of our of our uh, listeners.
1: It might it might destroy the bandwidth of YouTube by all of them watching at the same time.
0: Uh, they are masterpieces in their own way. So let's attempt to unpack some of this. I think the big headline for us and for Our our listeners are – is that um, NVIDIA is now a full-fledged server
2: vendor. Which they have been for a while. They just have their own now.
0: Now they've got their own CPU. They've announced that they're going to be putting out an ARM system, which is a bit of a throwback because they did announce that they were doing this back in – 2011, something called Project Denver. I was actually in the room when they did that, and it seemed to fade. It did not seem to pan out. I just remember asking about it later on and kind of got the sense they were going to declare victory
2: and never speak of it again. Well, that was when yeah, okay, ARM so, was uh, still 32-bits, not quite so And about
3: that, though, like they said that this is coming out until, like, what,
2: 2023?
3: 2023. So do we think that it's going to end up like Project Denver? Not this time.
2: Not this time. Not
3: this time? Okay.
0: Because they own NVIDIA now, or excuse me, they own Mellanox now, so they need Their to point. close the circle.
2: But also ARM now is pretty well-established, 64-bit. They're already successful, high-performing chips like Graviton. Maybe the Biggest supercomputer in the world? And Fujitsu, an that's right. And And they they just announced ARM version 9, which is what this thing is going to be. Yep.
0: And they also announced that they're working with Amazon on Graviton, son of Graviton, I believe.
2: Well, let me tell you, NVIDIA getting into the ARM chip business is bad news for existing ARM server chip vendors. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Well,
1: and the fact the fact that NVIDIA is in the business and teaming with Amazon, that in itself is a industry challenge. It's not just our current arm, arm vendors; it's a people who make server industry challenge when you have two big um, you know, users of technology, one on the. You know the cloud side and the other maker makes a lot of the server chips that are going in HPC and deep, deep learning. Do I see that as, you know,
2: a potential monopoly issue. I
0: wonder about that.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. Remember well, no, also yeah. that by 2023 we'll, we'll have RISC-V systems that will be server ready and Intel will be in the game and AMD will be in the game and there, there will be a lot of players. Plus, old AI chips, you know, a lot of those will so still be around. So we're
3: betting the fact that this won't become a monopoly on the success of other people showing up to the game.
2: Mm, I don't think
0: so, but that's that's a fair point.
3: It only becomes a monopoly
1: if the people who spend all this stuff allow for all that.
2: Yeah, it, it's it, it's a strong interesting. partnership. This, I agree with that because uh, this NVIDIA n- can manufacture them in quantity and Amazon can use them in quantity.
0: Yeah, I. it's a conversation for another time, but I'm interested in seeing how that partnership plans yeah, out, me too. pans out
2: because they've got different aims. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you.
0: But taking a look at this Grace CPU, I'm not sure exactly how to take this because the numbers are so over the top. Uh, the interconnect nine hundred gigabytes bytes a second cache coherent NVLink CPU to GPU.
1: Yeah, that's not, that was that that was knocking off kind of bandwidth.
2: Yeah, but it's probably in relatively large chunks. But still,
1: but still, Shaheen, you know, if you're doing machine learning. And you're just going through the data as it comes in. That's not a problem.
2: But remember, by 2023, you're probably looking at three nanometer technology from TSMC. It's probably all going to be on-package through chiplets that are part of the you know a big slab of a wafer. So, what are you
0: doing in the background, Henry? Building shelves or something? <laughs>
2: uh, hold on. I'm
1: going to ask Lisa to, to stop. Uh, Typing, because uh, we're recording.
0: How big a keyboard is she using? It's like one of those things from that movie, Big, where they're jumping up and down on the piano keys?
1: Pretty much. It's a big keyboard.
3: Rule, no IKEA furniture assembly during record session.
0: Yeah, that has been an informal rule. We'll formalize that. And the other thing, moving along through the specifications, memory bandwidth of greater than 500 gigabytes a second
1: yeah that's that's crazy numbers but you know i i don't doubt they're going to be able to do it they've been t- you know they generally their specifications when they announce this stuff it comes out at those numbers
2: so i'm just going to remind you you're looking at 2023 with 3 nanometer technology all on pretty big wafers I don't early know the- early 23 i should add yeah
0: yeah 3 nanometers might be a bridge
2: too far. They're already five now. That's what Apple's M1 is.
0: Yeah, not an honest five. Right. I mean, okay. it's kind of like how, enough. Sure. you know
2: what I mean? Yes, sure, sure. I mean, one person's three is not the same as the other person's three. That's true.
0: I mean, my my three is actually three nanometers and that's it. You've measured Physical. it. You know.
2: I know. Yes. Yeah, I've got a little caliper. But this is... But to me, the point is that by 2023, you're going to have a risk five chip You're going to have everybody else being in the same ballpark. So I wouldn't get too excited about the specs right now.
3: Okay, yeah. So I have a question about that. So for people that are relatively, like myself, that are relatively newer to the industry, how common is this to announce this sort of thing this far in advance? More and more so. Because it seems weirdly speculatory to me. I would say
1: it depends on who you are and where you're in the food chain. If you're a big vendor, people need to plan for upgrades and budgeting a year in advance. So and let me if,
0: let, let me insert just a second. When Henry says plan, from a marketing standpoint, that means lock out the competition with your plans, right, Henry?
1: What I'm saying is that uh, that. If you're doing your big company and you want something new because you have a new problem you need to solve, then you need to know in advance on what is coming.
0: But you could do those briefings face to face, company to company, and let them see your roadmap. What I'm saying is that uh, by announcing early, Jesse, you can also freeze, and all of your competitors are going after this business, and they'll say, well, you know, NVIDIA is coming out with this stuff, and your stuff doesn't quite match that. Well, yeah, but it's, you know, two years away. We'll still, we're going to take a look-see, and, you know, we don't want to get locked into anything else now, that sort of stuff.
2: Right, right. So, uh, Dan, it was absolutely right. Traditionally, people have had to disclose roadmap details, but that happens under NDAs and in Whisper Suites. And that is to allow planning and budgeting and especially for government procurements when you need a couple of years worth of lead time. But to go public with things that are two, three years out, it's more like directional rather than like a product announcement. And maybe that's how they're going to spin this.
0: Well, it's directional with a lot of specifics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Directional with much, much detail. (laughs) We
2: envision that we will have.
0: <laughs> yes, much like the confabulator video, <laughs> that's which right. we're going to put in our notes so you can take a look at it. I mean, they're giving the specifics of you know over 300 on spec rate 17
2: on it. That's true. And that's a very heady score. Good point. Good point. But as you said up front, this is just another turn of the knob towards... NVIDIA becoming a vertically integrated systems company.
0: Yes. Yes. And so what's the impact of that? What do you guys think?
2: Well, I think co-opetition is going to continue. They announced the joint system with HPE, the ALP system, the one that's yeah. going to replace uh, PizDane. And it's going to be the Grace CPU and GPUs, but it's going to be a Cray uh, system
0: which with Shasta they can do that that's their right that's their mission with Shasta
2: right so i think the customer can now have kind of the best of both but really nothing prevents Nvidia to go bid that on their own too without you know with other with other interconnects and with other software stack and yes. in, in related news they also said that some of their chips are openCL compatible now
0: so well, it means you want to throw a thumb in AMD's eye.
2: Well, actually, I've, I hear that OpenCL runs really well on AMD. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Is that, that's what, because AMD didn't come up with CUDA or CUDA. Well, they're doing their They've own thing, They've been using thing. OpenCL. Yeah. It's mainly relying on OpenCL and then a translator from CUDA to OpenCL.
2: I thought they're doing their own software stack, the equivalent of CUDA in addition.
0: Perhaps, but that's a long and hard road, especially since we already have a CUDA. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And You've got to get ISVs to sign up for it. You've got to get the open source community to sign up and support it. I'm not so sure they're going to go that route. I don't know, though.
2: Right, right, right. I mean, the other thing is the whole integrated CPU, GPU. So that's another game-changing thing, is that the fact that they can do integrated... CPU GPU themselves, Intel can do it, AMD can do it. I imagine, you know, people like Fujitsu have the wherewithal to do it.
0: But then add in the Mellanox now NVIDIA offload piece. I
1: think yeah, everybody's gonna have a, that too. I I
0: well, how? How? Who's gonna have it? And how? And how? And who? <laughs>
3: First, and in
2: sec- in second, who's on yeah. first?
0: Who, how? So those two questions to who, you, how? who,
2: how, who, and how? Sheen, those four questions need to be answered. Yeah, there are already three or four companies doing DPUs. And HPE has money in one of them and sits on a board of one of them. This was a Cisco offshoot. There are a company called Fungible that I kind of like, and these are ex-Juniper people. Who are doing a DPU that has lots of fancy stuff in it? Uh, Amazon sounded like is or has developed a chip that does similar things. Uh, it's impossible for people like you know Cisco and Juniper and others to not be on top of that. So I don't think DPU is like anything unique. If anything, you could argue they're a bit of a me too.
0: I'm not. I'm not just talking about the DPU, but I'm talking talking about the whole offload extreme speed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah,
2: they all say the same thing. And they come from networking as well. So I think that's not, I don't see it as a differentiator. I see it as a, they have it and it's a nice thing. That's great.
0: I think that's an insane statement. I think it is a differentiator. I think you're nuts to think that.
2: This is how we respond to the who, how question. (laughs) And, and, you know, I guess I'll say,
1: again, I hate to agree with Dan, but I do.
2: Well, as you said yourself, (laughs) Henry, you're entitled to be wrong.
0: (laughs) And I would like to...
2: Yes, I was actually sugarcoating it.
0: And Shaheen, on top of that, I'd like to add, how dare you?
2: (laughs) Really? Really? Yeah. Really? Good day. Really.
0: So... Again, let me ask the question, what are the implications on the rest of the industry? Because this is a bold move, and I think that it's pretty clear that the future of HPC is acceleration, hardware acceleration, and NVIDIA is making the one that 90% of the business, 80% of the business out there is using. And yet, now they're going to make servers to compete with that
2: maybe maybe you kind of have cpus scalar then you got vector then you've got matrix then you've got tensor
0: i don't need a tour of the industry shaheen just answer the question but as you
2: go from (laughs) as you go from left to right the fraction of applications that really need that shrinks
0: yeah yeah so you know
2: so we're not gonna like stop having you know laptops and not every laptop is gonna do video processing so yeah, I think GPUs are coming in a big way and integrated GPUs will be very interesting and will allow them to optimize some things. But I think that there is a very comfortable place for vector CPUs that can maybe even have the sweet spot except for like serious AI work.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Didn't really answer the question though. Implications. That was a
3: good marketing pitch though.
0: It was a great pitch.
2: It wasn't, so it wasn't marketing, you, but... Uh,
0: are you saying that vendors shouldn't be really concerned about this? No, I existing think... Existing
2: vendors? I think existing vendors, if they were not already concerned, <laughs> then they're going to really be surprised today. But if but if I were them, I would have been concerned for the past three years. This is really just a continuation of a process. It's not new.
0: Yes, Yes, it's like um, molting of a moth to turn into a butterfly. Well, actually, what is it? a caterpillar? That's right. Caterpillars turn into butterflies. But this is going to be a butterfly that's, that's packing a lot of missiles.
3: <laughs> this is such a this good metaphor. Is, Please continue.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. I start down those roads, and then they, they don't end up very well. Uh, so, Henry, what do you think the implications are for existing vendors?
1: I think it's going to be a challenging time for existing vendors because NVIDIA is doing this for a reason. And it's unclear to me whether they are going to then go their their own way and develop their own uh, channel and kind of block HP and Dell. It's unclear to me.
0: You got to wonder. I think one thing is that a lot of phone calls are being made now to some of those 50 or 60 uh, little companies out there that are trying to roll their own accelerator. Phone calls coming from major vendors saying, Hey, does your thing work? Yeah, tell us about that. Come in and give us a little presentation. No, ah, a great okay,
2: we have our law. Okay,
0: we had a law, although I will be taking it out. That's because you're, you're insisting
2: about- on getting an answer that nobody has.
0: Yeah, I was just hoping for a little more talk about it. Uh, Jesse, what do you think?
3: No, I mean, I don't have many thoughts that haven't already been articulated. I mean, it really just comes down to what the behemoth NVIDIA makes it harder to compete.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. I was going to ask you to articulate them again, but you did that. Okay.
1: Smartcast.
0: Well, so this is a space to watch very closely, as we will, but now it's time to introduce a special guest, Lonnie, and how do you pronounce your last name? It's
4: pronounced It's Heitke?
0: It Heitke? German? Okay. Let me do that again. would like to introduce a special guest, Lonnie Heitke who is retired now, but he spent a lot of time with Henry S. Newman in the business and has seen a lot of things come and go. How are you doing, Lonnie?
2: I'm doing great. Excellent. Lonnie is clearly clearly. a better planner than Henry. What did you say, Shane? Sorry, I didn't mean to. uh, I, I said Lonnie is clearly a better planner than you are, Henry, because he's retired before you.
1: Well, Lonnie's older than I am. Oh, that's much.
2: an excuse. He's just a better. No <laughs>
0: older than you in the business. <laughs>
1: yeah. There are plenty of people older than
0: me, then. Uh, yeah, they're in cemetery plots. <laughs> um, not quite what I'd call active, but oh well. So, Lonnie, tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get started in this whole game we call tech?
4: Well, it was a long, long time ago, as Henry had just uh, enumerated, and. Uh, I started a cray in. Was that a long long time
1: ago in a far away? Place? Was that a long long time ago in a far away place? Yes. Kind of like in I, Star Wars.
0: Yeah, if you have to explain it, it's not funny.
3: Yeah. Okay, moving on.
4: Right. <laughs> so, were there
0: still days, horses on the street when you started?
4: At, yes, there was. There was a, uh, a single building in Chippewa Falls that was uh, a little metal shed that housed Cray Research and I started there as a systems test person and went on from there you know just uh, had a great it was a great opportunity for someone starting it at a high tech industry at that time because I was able to do multiple different jobs without ever having to leave the leave and go to a different company
0: So of course you met the man
4: himself Yes I did And
2: by that you mean Seymour
4: Yes, I mean,
1: yeah. Yes, and...
0: that's very cool. So, what's the? I mean, you were active in the industry up until you know recently. So, what have been some of the biggest changes you've seen? Twenty thirteen,
4: I guess. One of the things that I've always thought was going to happen is I thought IBM was going to come into the supercomputer industry in a big way and you know, blow everybody else out and it never happened. So that was one thing that I guess I was they were they were on the verge a couple of times, but that was as far as it that it got. And my well, mother they thought things, they did I guess is astounding. Yeah, they they thought they did. The the other thing that sounded to me is the, the time that the Cray products have been around. Cray you know they're basically it, you know, the same group of people that I started with are still working on developing new systems.
0: That's very cool. Really is. And they've changed with the times and they've led some of those changes, in fact. That's right.
1: So Lonnie, what was the first job you had? My first
4: job at Cray was in systems test. I was working on serial number six, getting it ready to ship to uh, NCAR, I think it went to, yeah, NCAR. And then after that, um, I worked on, I went to Cray Hardware Training for a while as a student and came back out and worked on Serial 8, 9, and 10, ones that I remember that went, uh, Serial 9 was the first one, I think, to go over to England.
2: Wow.
0: That is really a piece of history.
2: Honey, where was this? Was fact, this in
4: Wisconsin Cray. or in Minnesota? This is in Wisconsin, in Chippewa Falls. In fact, I went to a Cray Training School with all of the customer engineers that went with Serial Line. There were four
0: of them. So when did your life take a turn when you collided with a certain Henry S. Newman? Well,
4: after I worked for a couple of years in system tests, I, I went... I went on to uh, to working in hardware training as a hardware instructor, which was a, a really great one of the best jobs I think I had while I while I worked at Cray, and uh, it was during that that I met the the infamous Henry S. Newman,
0: bright eyed, bushy tailed, probably back then about what forty six.
1: No, I was, I was twenty. I, I was 20, I was 24. Wow.
0: And you were fresh out of diplomacy school at American University.
1: No, I was not. I had been at Craig for 18 months.
0: I see. So you did not graduate from college.
1: I did not graduate. I did not graduate from diplomacy school, really. I graduated so from college.
0: You attended diplomacy school and college.
2: Right. I tried to. I see. Henry, were you also in Chippewa Falls or you were in Mendoza Heights? At that time, I
1: was in Washington, D.C. and came back for hardware training for analysts, which is still the best class of my career.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I believe that.
4: Yeah. You know. because that was because and so, that.
1: Really? Is that true? That's true. Who believes that on this call?
4: Probably. Uh, you, you always blame oh, no. me for anything you don't know about hardware, so...
2: Pretty
0: much. Yeah, but Henry's the kind of guy that he may be wrong, but he's always certain.
2: Strongly opinionated. Yes, us, exactly. yes,
0: very much so.
2: It's good to have an opinion. He's usually right though. It's good to have a take. That's right.
0: Yes, but and that's the way I am. Is like in college and grad school, I would go after those participation points. And say something, even if it's stupid, in class. <laughs>
2: so, what's your favorite system, Lonnie, of all the systems you've played with?
4: The favorite system was, of course, the uh, the the YMP and its its related uh, hardware or large memory SSD, because that was my first first foray into the world of design engineering at Cray Research. So I designed the uh, memory boards, the memory subsystem for the SSD. There were two of us that designed it together to make a uh, The other engineer, Eric Fromm, designed the controller and I designed the rest of the memory system, which was at the time the largest SSD in the world and it was uh, 32 megabytes. Yeah. But and it was it, its own chassis, it right? Bit,
2: it took up the space of a very large room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much a 12 so. 12 by 12 rooms. Was it just a bunch of SRAM? That is, that's what it was, right?
4: So that was my favorite system, the YMP.
1: Well, what was it just SRAM on it or What was it? It was all DRAM.
4: Four
0: megabit so DRAM it was like
4: RAM drive. It was big. Yeah, it's a big. Yeah, exactly. Big RAM drive. So
0: the, a RAM the, drive. Okay.
4: The wine. And and being at the fact we were at Cray where power was not a problem, we as you know DRAMs have two different states where they're active and in standby, and when they're in standby, they don't draw as much power, which was a problem for our power supplies. So what we did was we just what I did is just designed a circuit that would increase the power when they went into standby so the current draw was the same all the time because power wasn't a problem and cooling wasn't a problem not something you do today
0: no no well this now brings us to the part of the show where we discuss the catch of the week who's got a catch i do what do you got henry
1: So they're still attacking my system. So I started
0: blocking IP addresses today. Let me me set this up. In our previous show, we talked about Henry being under attack, his QNAP uh, NATs being under attack. And he had taken some steps, as we discussed in that show, to frustrate them. So take it over now, Henry.
1: Yeah, I, I, I my frustration level of them. I've decided to start blocking large ranges of IP addresses, and I'm going from three per second of attacking me, of trying to get into the, an account that no longer exists. Um, now we're down to I've now gone two hours without a hit.
0: <laughs> so someone somewhere in a bot farm is throwing up their hands in frustration?
1: It's my hope. And the bot, hopefully the bot is dead.
0: Very nice. How many IP addresses have you banned so far, do you think? Just rough estimate?
1: I'm guessing maybe 30, 40 million.
0: <laughs> He's taking out entire ranges, by the way. Like yes. the whole 180 range gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's some other ranges that are gone too.
0: Nice.
2: Very nice.
0: So, Shaheen, you got anything?
2: I have something that I saw in the HPC huddle room that uh, that, that folks do. Uh, what it
0: happens was, in the HPC huddle room stays in the HPC huddle room.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. This one is, like, really very cool. So this guy interviews the GPT-3 AI system, which is uh, arguably the top a uh, natural language processing system out there. And the conversation with the AI is just absolutely hilarious and somewhat scary. So first he picks a personality that's supposed to be like friendly and it kind of has occasional uh, bouts of just uh, really mean-spirited, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> violent conversation. And then he picks one that's actually not friendly. And that's a really short conversation. It just, you know, the AI pretty much plots to kill him immediately. So <laughs> you got to check. It, it.
0: Did it pass the Turing test?
2: It seems like one of the ways it gets closer to passing the Turing test is that it takes complete passages from like out there in the internet. So the composition of the language is very reasonable because it's lifted in its entirety ah. not just composed so it's not word at a time it's like sentence at a time okay so at that in that case it's more of a meta but then at, but then and it remembers the previous question so it links it together which is really cool but at the same time what it comes up with is really pretty crazy
0: that's pretty cool
2: you got it you got to check this by the way it is a must yeah definitely way. Definitely. For you especially. No. <laughs> You'll enjoy it.
0: Actually, we did have several shows ago. We used to have a little feature where we would talk back to AI, and that didn't turn out good. Not turn no. out well. <laughs> AI I came it. back at me hard. Jesse,
3: I do not have a catch this week, though I did use GPT-3 as a catch on one of our earlier shows. I don't remember which one it was. Just oh, you're trying to bad. gloss yourself that. based on that? That is entirely what I am doing here. Wow. No. Okay. This week, I'm lame.
0: My catch of the week is that the Winter Classic Student Cluster Competition is still on its way. All teams have been hooked up with hardware vendors. Uh, All teams are working on their stuff, but I have extended it for one more week just to give them a little bit more time. That's great. So we've got 10 teams. Uh, They're all happy and competitive. They all think they're going to win. I don't know. They can't all win because I'm doing the scoring. So that's going to be one will win. But it should be a good time for all.
2: Well, that sounds like a future episode coming up. Oh,
0: yeah. 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 Uh, At least one. Because this has been tougher than I thought it would be.
1: Everything always is, Dan.
0: I know. Why isn't anything easier? than you think it's going to be. Because I don't know.
1: We, it's human nature to underestimate.
0: Hmm, it's a good point. Okay. On that bombshell, let's go ahead and call that an episode of Radio Free HPC. I want to thank all of you out there for listening. I want to thank our special guest, Lonnie. Thank you very much. Uh, I want to thank everybody, I guess. You're welcome. So thank you. That's a good one. Stay word. safe. And we will talk to you all soon on another episode of Radio Free HBC. Bye-bye. Yay! Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. Reach out to us on email at podcast at Radio Free HPC or via Twitter at Radio Free HPC. As a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate government solutions or Seagate technology. Thanks again for listening.